everybody. Welcome to the Plain Glass Podcast, where we discuss worship leadership, church music, and a myriad of other stuff. My name is Chris. And my name's Jay. We're excited to launch this new podcast. Really looking forward to what we're going to discuss on today's episode. Today, we will be looking at the role of today's worship leader. We'll begin with some of our personal experiences as worship leaders from last Sunday before diving into our topic of the week. The episode concludes with a song review from CCLI's Top 100. Cool. So, Chris, um, how did your Sunday go? Right now, we're actually in the middle of uh, missions focus, a global missions focus okay. at our church. So we're doing rather than like one weekend with, a, you know, I think we in the past we've done these missions focused weekends, and it's a conference. You come mm-hmm. for the weekend. It's just hard for people to do that right yeah. now. So yeah, we're sure. we're spreading it out, and each Sunday has a different focus. So this week our worship service felt very different because we're we're trying to come at it from all different angles. So we have uh, pastoral prayer time. We're praying for our missionaries. Um, we actually had this interesting, um, I mean, it's not really that interesting now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> we, had, we just, we had <laughs> pictures taken. Uh, we had a photo booth in our foyer for two Sundays and people could have their family photos taken for the directory. And okay. we, had, we had props. So, it was like so a this photo is a booth separate thing. thing from mission stuff. This is It just, is, but it's part of how the week just went well. Oh, okay. Cool. All those pictures were really good. Um, and we, we felt like what's the way that we could use these to encourage the church. So we actually put them together in a slideshow. We played it. Um, and then the worship team sang the church is one foundation, all six verses, which we almost always cut at least two of those when we sing it in church. Dude, you did, you did that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we did the same song yesterday, all six verses. Oh, we yeah. usually, cu- we usually cut the schisms rent asunder yeah. verse because that's no so hard. Yeah. yeah. But we kept it this this week. And you're glad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that happened at both of our churches. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so it was a good week because of that. I love it. Um, yeah. I played piano, which I, I usually lead from guitar, but I played piano for that. It's really refreshing for me. So um, just to be able to look out, because the way that our room is oriented, the piano, you can see everybody. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the reactions of people is really sweet. And so the way that we framed it was just... You know, we're, as a body, we're called on mission. It's not just the people going to the field who are called. Right. We're not, they're not the only ones living out the commission. And so sure. it was just a really full, rich Sunday. That's awesome. Yeah, really encouraging. How about you? Yeah, our Sunday uh, was really encouraging as well. Um, so we, as you know, we're, we're in a smaller space. We're a church that's uh, just over five years old, and we're we're kind of in this long-term lease with this space that we're renting and the staff we've been talking about, what would it look like to go to two services? Does that further our mission? And you know, what would be the reasons why we would go to two services or do we want to stay the same size and just fit into this room? Astors, when they laid it out, they just did an amazing job at conveying. We want to be able to plant churches in the future. And so we need to grow to a certain size so that we can financially sustain that and have the people to then create a core team to then go out and start churches outside of our city. So that was really cool. It was a big moment in our service. I felt like the church was really excited about that prospect. And so we're looking to the second week in January to actually get there. Oh, one, one, di- one note. Uh, so our church, we do the doxology every Sunday 
for the last year, year and a half, I've done this different ways at different times. I've been at this church for four years now, but, um, with, we've done it with instruments. We've done it without instruments for a little over a year now. We've done it just acapella, not on the microphones, just the church singing. But this Sunday, uh, I have a fiddle player who recently joined the team and she was serving this Sunday. So one of my other team members who's playing keys suggested we do a bluegrass version of the doxology. So we kind of jammed out on it on Thursday night at rehearsal and we got done. I was just like, we're absolutely doing this. So we ended our service. I just said to the congregation, I said, you know, y'all, we, we typically just sing this acapella, but we're going to do something a little bit different this Sunday. I hope you're encouraged by it. And then, uh, we let it rip and they sang and then they clapped afterwards, <laughs> which our church does couldn't, not couldn't clap. Get enough. They couldn't get enough. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. And, uh, I was just really encouraged that I didn't know how it was going to go. Like in the middle of it, I'm playing and singing and stuff and just thinking, is anybody, I it, there's so much sound that I'm like, I'm not quite sure if people are singing with me or not. I'm, I don't know. But then I got done and the, the applause happened and, uh, I actually had somebody come up to me afterwards and just say how much they appreciated. I think they, I, there are people who appreciate acapella. There are people who appreciate instrumental stuff. So there's, there's a mixed bag in our congregation for sure, but it's good to be able to encourage people in different ways. And so we did that through the doxology yesterday and yeah, it was really encouraging. I can attest that that had an impact on your church because I ran into somebody at lunch who told me about it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> you, awesome. It's not just you. You're not just imagining it. <laughs> That's amazing. Who knows? Maybe it was the same person. We'll talk about that later. Um, well, I think that we've probably hit a point where we could... Transition to the next segment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Get ready to talk about uh, the topic of the week. Shall we? Cool. So we're going to discuss today's topic of uh, the role of today's worship leader, which I don't think we could have picked a broader topic for our first episode. But, you know, we're ambitious like that, right? Yeah. And I think to be fair, the the word today's <laughs> worship leader is a little like, what does that mean as well? It's, it's, it's less cliche than modern. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's why we chose that. So this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to think through what it is that we do yeah, um, and the things about it that are really life-giving to us and we want to just celebrate that and the things that are hard or confusing we want to talk about those as well So the first area that we're going to talk about is organizational leadership. So the organizational side is huge. And honestly, it can become most of what I do if I'm not careful, because I like to have my ducks in a row. Right. So I, I really like the idea of robust teams that are well-trained and we've got a backup plan for the backup plan, <laughs> right. you know, down to just triple redundant recording on for the podcast all those things. So, (laughs) you know, I, um, but those can really get in the way of actually worshiping, but organizational leadership is all of the nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. And really in a lot of ways, it's, it's acting a lot like a shopkeeper, right? You know, um, and something that the, the teaching pastor really should not be 
doing. Right. Of course. Yeah. So uh, administrating, recruiting, training, mentoring volunteers. I see that as a huge part of what I do, but also part of that would be raising up other leaders within my volunteer base to also be lead worshipers along with me. I want to have our worship team grow as worship leaders so that it's not, there's not a cult of personality around any one person, but we're all leading worship together as the church, I guess. Yeah. So what does your process look like for that? How does it look like? Yeah. So we, you know, we'll, I'll take anybody who's interested through the interview process and we spend about an hour chatting. I get to hear their story. I get to hear, um, how they came to know the Lord and I walk them through what it looks like to serve on the team so that they're clear on what I'm holding them accountable to and they know what to expect. When they're on the team, after some time, I try to give people, I try to sense out who here do I see more invested in the growth of the team. They're, they're, they're more than just serving on Sundays. They, they're, they're showing interest in leading and that I see in their, in their personalities and in their lives, um, potential to be strong worship leaders. And those people I try to gauge interest through conversations and then eventually give them opportunities to lead. Yeah. Well, that's helpful to hear as you think through the process of sort of somebody's interested or they step in or maybe they're outed by somebody else. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but it's really like, yeah. you know, someone's like this guy, this guy plays he's this really instrument. good. He won't talk to you though. Like he's not going to tell you, but he's great and he'd probably play, but you need to go ask him. So yeah. that happens. It, it kind of irks me, but some of the, just the closest friends and best players I think I've had have yeah. been people like that. You have and to so, approach. And I'm fine with that because yeah. honestly, I think that we all have that desire anyway. And there's something about creative people. We can be really challenging to, Shepherd. I kind of want a person who's not going to be jumping to get on stage. And so they may not approach you. And so you learn about it, you go talk to them. And, and that's where that, if that's where the heart's coming from, that's, those are the people I want on the team yeah. for sure. Um, now people that I have to like strong arm into serving, that's, I'm not going to try and reach out to those people because that's, that's not where I see the most fruit long-term. The things that I try to keep in mind when I'm bringing in someone new, whether I'm asking them or they're interested. I try to, um, usually what I tell my team is I'm more interviewing or auditioning for character than I am for talent Mm -hmm. because talent is very fluid. It's something that grows and obviously character is as well. Um, but I'm really excited to work with the people that just love Jesus Yeah, and they want to come in and be a servant. How do you see yourself serving as a spiritual leader um, for your volunteers? Over the years, working with creative people, uh, I've noticed things about them. And I realize, I think that we are particularly challenging to shepherd. Yeah. And now I say that as somebody, I've never felt like I'm, I'm tremendously creative in comparison to a lot of the people that I've worked with yeah. and a lot of the people that I've known. Uh, but one of the things that I've noticed is that we can be very difficult. And some of that is because our ups and downs are maybe, you know, if you think about it, it undulates. So it's like a, it's like a sine wave, right? And you have your highs and your lows and, Mm -hmm. and you, and there are patterns that we can pick up on about each other. I have these patterns in my own life 
I think our peaks are really high and our valleys are really low. Mm-hmm. And so when you get somebody who's bottoming out, you know, heaven forbid it happens on a Sunday morning, we have these moments where the leadership there, it becomes very pastoral, especially when you're managing conflict. Right. I am so close to mentioning the Enneagram just because I know that... <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast in 2018. <laughs> Without mentioning the Enneagram, so we might as well just do it. So many creatives are the type four of the Enneagram. I, I identify as a type four. And those people do tend to have very high highs and very low lows. And so working with those types of people can be, yeah, definitely can be a challenge. Um, I, I see it as, uh, you know, you're working with these volunteers who are broken who are on a journey towards healing through sanctification and growth in the Lord. But you you have the opportunity as their kind of direct leader to walk with them through difficult seasons and to um, provide certain, certain amount of counsel before and after rehearsals or uh, before and after services, or maybe more intentional by going and having a, you know, a, a coffee meeting. Um, and that's, that's a high calling, I think on us as being these direct leaders over these volunteers that we want to make ourselves available to be able to walk with them through these difficult seasons. It's one of those things that can happen, not necessarily by accident because God's at work. And so we know that these are not accidents, but uh, a lot of times it just stems from relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, you have coffee with somebody and maybe you do that a few times and you start to realize, well, we're really having conversations that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we're together, things that we'll do, just an example of, of things that I try to instill in us as a team, we make a priority to pray with one another and we do it even if it costs us one of the songs. Right. You know, like uh, we really would love to have that 10 minutes to work on this one number to get it just a little bit better. I'd rather pray together than have one of the pieces be outstanding like yeah. that. And so that's just a value for us that if we're not doing that, mm-hmm. I don't know, we have no business doing any of it. So, right. but I will say this, if any of my volunteers, my current volunteers listen to this, they will immediately go, he's lying. Um, because I was going to say, I make a point to always do one-on-ones with my team members this last year. I just, I've not done a great job at yeah. that. And I, I think I've done my best, honestly, with other things that have been going on, but I'm feeling that some that we'll be together on Sunday morning. And I realize, you know, I haven't sat down with this person to really know what's going on in their life. And it makes that moment when I have a correction that I need to make. Right. It's a little bit harder. Right. Because I'm not leading out of the sort of the surplus of that relationship. Right. We're just sort of in an arrangement together. And, well, and, there's, so, and there's a trust. There's a trust that's built through an ongoing relationship that can over time slowly erode. Yeah. So that when you do have to correct, it's harder to do those things. So that's with volunteers. But briefly here, we also are spiritual leaders in a sense for our congregation, um, depending on. It, it depends on how much um, room you have for decision-making, I would say, in the songs that you sing and the liturgy that you plan or prepare. So there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that as a worship leader who makes those decisions for your congregation. How have you seen in your context you practicing kind of the spiritual leadership for your congregation? The spiritual component 
in regards to the congregation, one of the things I try to think about and take very seriously is the fact that if I'm praying in front of this group of people, which I am, mm-hmm. um, that I'm informing the prayer life of a group of people, particularly yeah. younger people. Sure. So there are children I know who have grown up in our church, um, and they they will learn how to speak to their father in heaven mm-hmm. by listening to us. Yeah. So that's a, a tremendous responsibility, honestly, kind of a terrifying it, thought. It is. Yeah. Um, but by God's grace, he is at work. And even in the places where I may be feeling a little vulnerable or weak or whatever, um, but there's a responsibility there in what we say. And there's certainly a responsibility in what we're singing and being very careful. Do you, uh, do you pray extemporaneously or do you write them out? I don't script any of my, my, uh, anything that I say or anything that I pray, none of it is scripted. But I do know that uh, you know one of our pastors does, and it's, right. I think that that's a very good idea. I, write, I don't. Yeah, I write do. out all my 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 calls to worship, uh, the prayers of invocation that I mm-hmm. have after the call to worship. I always write it out. Um, I found it's helpful for me. Yeah, because I tend to get into a like routine of the same wording, and it just becomes rote. And I, I sense the ears of my congregation falling deaf to those they've things. They've heard you say the same phrase right, a hundred times. Exactly. Yeah. So for me personally, I have to write it out or else I'm just going to say the same stuff every week. And I found that that's been very helpful for our, for our church and very helpful for me to be able to think more intentionally about the way I'm saying things. I think that's part of a process of, of leading is that you're self-aware Mm-hmm. and you're able to identify and maybe, and that's not a weakness. It's not a weakness to need to script. And actually I think what you're saying is very, it's a compelling argument for scripting or at least being very thoughtful. And so yes. one of the things I'll, I'll put together, uh, usually it's sort of the paper will look like my mind, you know? So my music yeah. is, it's, it's a little messy right. uh, in my notes, but um, I might have three key words, Yeah, you know? And I'll sort of circle in, and I know that I want to hit these things. Right. Um, but any more than that is actually a hindrance for me. Yeah. So I, um, and I mean, even when we were talking about how to do this podcast earlier, I said, hey, the script, the idea of scripting anything makes me a little nervous. <laughs> and it does. So I'm, yeah. I'm, and that's how I lead. That's how I, that's how I do it. And that's it's so funny. from a young age, actually. I can still remember doing extemporaneous speaking in mm-hmm. high school. That was, you know, where you, you'd have 10 minutes to prepare a 30 minute talk on something and yeah, you couldn't that, script that. That, frighten, I, that frightens me even th- to this day. I thrive in that yeah, kind no. of a context. So that will be, that's an example where we're different, but this that's is true. good because everybody's going to approach it from a different perspective. Right. This is what I would kind of come back to if I'm thinking about a process um, and how we put these things together and how we prepare. Some weeks I feel really into it mm-hmm. and really ready. Yeah. And I just have all these ideas. And then there are other weeks where I'm tired. I can't believe I have to do this again. I don't know if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have realized in all the years of doing this, which is not that many, but enough, is that God's always faithful to be present in those times. Mm-hmm. He's faithful to be present in the times when I feel like I have nothing and in the times when I feel like I have a lot to give. Right. And honestly, it's usually the times when I felt like I had nothing that are the most impactful for people. And that's personally very frustrating for me <laughs> because I think, oh, this is going to, I'm going to knock this out of the park. 
yeah and it falls flat or i go i am running on empty i just coasted in here on fumes but he is present in the planning his spirit is present in the planning mm-hmm. and i can arrive on a sunday morning knowing that i'm arriving with a sense of integrity that i've i've tried to live my life in a manner worthy of the calling i've received mm-hmm. i've tried to do my job i'm not i'm far from perfect <laughs> my wife and children will be the first to tell you that um but I've done my best and yeah. I'm here and to be able to step in on a Sunday morning, just like everyone else and say, I'm bringing in all my stuff from this week right? and I'm going to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's, that's my process weekly of, I hit a point where whatever I've prepped and planned, it's done. I can't, yeah. I can't change it. Yeah. If I had to do over, maybe I'd take it, but we are all going to arrive with this expectation that God is going to work especially through our brokenness. A couple of weeks ago, maybe a three or four minutes before the service and, um, you know, people are chatting, catching up, whatever in the sanctuary. And I just found myself being drawn to the front row and I sat there and I just prayed to the Lord asking his, for, for his help for this service. And specifically I remember saying, Lord, I can lead this music, but I cannot lead worship. I can't, I cannot fabricate your people lifting their voices in praise to you. I'm going to need your help to do that. And I wish I prayed that every Sunday and I don't because <laughs> I'm often like just distracted by what's in front of me and having to get this, you know, uh, we're having issues with our sound system or, uh, you know, this volunteer needs me to come over here and help them with this thing. But it's those moments that are really sweet, um, being able to pray that and ask that of the Lord and then to see him work. As we thought about serving our team, what does it look like to serve our congregations because this is really I think this is what it drills down into this this is a focal point for our work as worship leaders we are serving the church so what does that look like I think there's a sense where you have to decide that you're gonna you're going to serve the church in not always choosing your own preferences you know there may be songs or arrangements of things or choices that you make that you know your congregation's going to really enjoy or be uplifted by, but maybe that's not your personal preference. Maybe you wouldn't choose that song, but it's there's a dying to self that I think needs to happen as a worship leader who's going to be serving a congregation. Um, I got it from Mike Cosper's book, Rhythms of Grace. He talks about promoting a culture of preference and deference. So creating a culture in your church where there's going to be some Sundays that you know, as a church member, you're, you're coming in and they're doing all the songs that you love and you're just like, yes, this is awesome. And then there's some Sundays where they do songs that you don't care so much about. Right. Um, but it's in those moments that you defer to your brother or your sister who you're standing next to and you sing along with them and you lead worship as part of a congregation. You lead others in worship as you sing. And I think that also goes for the worship leader, right? It has to. It (laughs) has to. If you want your church to be like that, you also have to be like that. 
So I have found, you know, there have been times I've done certain songs that I know that the church really loves, but that maybe I, you know, it's fine, you know, that kind of stuff. But sure. I, it, but it, it's just part of, I think, growing as a selfless worship leader. I would not say I'm there. I struggle with that kind of stuff. So It's hard. Well, and it is, it's especially difficult on the flip side of that when there's something that you're just, yes, this thing is the best. It's like manna. Right. this song that I'm about to lay down <laughs> right. and your church just won't sing it and they can't. That's happened to me. Yeah. And I'm it, like, I'm like, you know, I know this song's going to be awesome. I love this song so much. And then we do it and they're not on board. And it hurts and, a little bit right. because you really wanted it to go well. Yeah. But you just let that fall out of your rotation. It's not one of your church's songs. Right. And that's okay. And that is totally fine because it's not about your preferences. It's about you serving your church. I can agree more with that. And that's when I think about this, when I think about serving the church. Um, I can sort of use this word in, interchangeably with a lot of things, but um, I like to think of loving the church. So, yes. uh, because Jesus loves the church, you know, sort of broken parts and all. Yeah. He is doing something mm-hmm. incredible in the world, and he's doing that through his church. So, I need to have a lot more margin for things that I don't prefer. Mm-hmm. or even personality types that I just go in no other context would I necessarily spend that much time with, you know, you want to go back to the Enneagram, like what's my nemesis? I probably have a number that I can't stand. Right. <laughs> but we, I have all kinds of margin for the people in our church because that's, it's a gift from the Lord. It's not something that I'm going to go out and pursue. Right. It's better than what I would choose. Yeah. It's better than what I would choose, even if it's more difficult. So uh, one of the things that I think God has shaped in me and mm-hmm. caused to grow over the years is a real, a true love for the church. And I love our church. Yeah. Um, and there have been times that have been really difficult and, um, you know, where I, I felt like this is an impossible thing. Um, and it was probably especially in those that he was showing me. I'm I'm building something truly lovely, something with enduring vitality mm-hmm. and worth. Yeah. And you get to be a part of that. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That's well, really good. So if we could think about um maybe we could end with the idea of serving our team. Just any final thoughts? We talked a little bit earlier about what it looks like to lead them and what it looks like to shepherd them, but what are ways that we can serve our teams? I think one is not letting the organizational leader overtake the spiritual leader uh, Mm -hmm. in the way you interact with your volunteers. So that means showing them as much grace as possible when they let you down. Um, That's just part of working with volunteers. Things happen mistakes are made, but at the end of the day, they're serving the church with you and they're giving, they're sacrificing so much time that they could otherwise be putting towards other things. Uh, we have a lot of like college students that serve on my team who have tons of commitments and things happen sometimes where they overcommit and they have to then let somebody down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's me on a Saturday night. On a, <laughs> I don't think I've ever had it on a Saturday night. Thankfully I've had instances where we have like a big, a big service coming up like good Friday and schedule problems after creating like, you know, a series of rehearsals. 
And what do you do in those moments? You know, that's, it's important to remember that you're not first an organizational leader. You're not first just the person who administrates and tries to keep everybody on track. You're first a believer who cares for this person and wants to see them grow in the Lord. And, and you're a person who needs to be ready to show the gospel in your interactions with them. And so it's showing grace. That's huge. Well, we can't even, you can't overstate the importance of the gospel and it being central to everything that we do. And I don't know if we've said that enough, <laughs> um, to be honest, but that should permeate. It should just be in everything. And so I want even everything that we would say on this podcast to just drip with the gospel because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that enables all of this. So the only thing I would add, because that's what I was thinking as you're saying the gospel is just, we want to show Christ in all that we do. I also want to be really quick to admit when I've been wrong. Sure. And it's important for me to do that just because we need to be confessing our sin to one another, Yep. you know, and this is part of how we grow as believers. So if my team is not being discipled as a result of being around me, I'm really letting them down. And one of the best ways that I can do that is by being as open about my own struggles as I can mm-hmm. and being very vulnerable with them when it's appropriate to just share. And some, you know, there's these little moments where that can happen, but I think it's really important and something that we should spur each other onto as well Yeah, uh, to embody that. That's just, we are being reshaped yep. and made into the likeness of Christ. Yep. And that's going to be messy and dirty sometimes, but obviously to serve our, our people. And that's in any of our different areas Mm -hmm. serving uh, by modeling Christ and proclaiming his gospel through our lifestyle. That's good. If you as a listener have anything to add to this, we would love to hear from you. So you can email us. We know we've not covered everything. There's so much more that we could discuss, but we hope that this has been a beneficial segment and uh, let us know what your thoughts are for sure. I think it's good time to segue to our last segment. In each episode, we're going to take some time to look at a specific song. And so this is always going to be a song from CCLI's Top 100. These are songs that are sung um, in churches around the world, sung very frequently, uh, very popular for the purposes of worship. And a lot of times they're things that are people that we are leading or listening to at home or in their car or at work. And so uh, we want to just take some time to think deeply about the things that we're singing because mm-hmm. it's important to think about what we're singing. So, right. Jay, what song are we looking at today? So we are looking at the current number one, which is What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong Worship. Uh, we're not going to listen to it. If you've never heard this song, you can pause this podcast, YouTube it, and, you know, come back. It's fine. Here are my opening thoughts about this song. Super singable. There's not weird intervals that your church is trying, going to try to have to make. Yeah, um, I agree. It's so, and it's also very memorable, easy to pick up, and then to start singing along. And this actually, I would say, this is a credit to, they're like they're meeting their their goal. When I was doing some research on Hillsong, 
Hillsong Worship's mission is different than like Hillsong United's mission. Hillsong Worship's mission is to resource the local church specifically. And so I think they have accomplished their goal, at least in the musical part of this song, to make something that's memorable, that's singable, that's not too, it's not too wide of a range music, like uh, uh, melodically that somebody can't, they can't sing, you know, the low end or the high end. They, it's, it's in a range that everybody should be able to sing. Lyrically, I, I think it's good. I don't, I wouldn't say it's like the most prolific um, words. Uh, it's pretty, the, the, it's pretty general and it's pretty repetitive that's preference, right? I mean, it's not, Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it doesn't go, there's not a whole lot of exposition in the song. You have like two verses that kind of expound on the main theme, but they're only four lines each. So you have eight lines that are the meat of the song and then you have the repetitive stuff. And I'm personally not a huge fan of that. Um, we do, our songs generally are a little more dense lyrically than that, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's one line that I have an issue with and that's, you didn't want heaven without us. And it's not that it's wrong. Um, it's not theologically wrong. It just feels weird to me. Does it feel weird to you or am I making this up? Good question. I'm not going to answer it yet. (laughs) Let me tell you what I like about it first. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Um, I do like how singable it is. I love watching people sing this because they enjoy it. It's just, it's exalting the name of Christ over and over again. So the repetition in this song is actually, I struggle with repetition in worship. I think if we sing songs, like I grew up on some music that was so repetitive that it just, after a while you were numb. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not that to me. There are little things that they did in this song that I think are actually quite effective. So the variations in the choruses. Using what a beautiful, beautiful. wonderful, yeah. powerful. It's very subtle. Mm-hmm. And actually, there was one week where we forgot to make the change in the slides, so we sang beautiful name for all the choruses. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch it in time. Um, and it's sad because you lose this impact that it really does build... To me, the focal point of the song and the most impressive part of the song is the bridge. And there are a lot of songs where I think I could take or leave the bridge. There are contemporary worship songs that I just cut the bridge out when I'm leading them in our churches because I don't think it's helpful. Sure. In the case of this song, I think the the bridge is very helpful. Um, And that seems to be that's a crescendo that then goes into that final chorus. And even if you don't have all that instrumentation that Hillsong has to just, you know, the layers upon layers. Yeah. And it's just been building and building and building. And somehow there's still more, you know, my team would be like, we have nothing left. We can't build forever. (laughs) It just lifts itself. And so when we sing it in our church, it's, I'm, I'm just always impressed with, Mm -hmm. with that. So, um, those are the, a couple of the things that I like about it. I do think that it's very beautiful, um, but this is the style of of music that's come out of Hillsong over the years that I've really been drawn to personally. So this is one of these where I'll listen to it, I hear it, and I just love it. Especially if we've got. A, um, so you're saying not everything that Hillsong's put out. No, just... no, I'm not. But there are it, there are certain songs that really speak to me, and this is one of them. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it personally. Sure. So I would just listen to it on my own. I wouldn't. Right. Wouldn't 
uh, be a requirement that we would sing it in church, although we do. Sure. Um, but I'll, now I'll jump into your question. So you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. Do you think it's an interesting line? And I, I don't know exactly what they meant. Right. So this is when we think about music and what we're singing. We want to be very careful for reasons we actually mentioned earlier that just the words, I mean, what we're saying we want it to be true. Sure. We want it to be true because this is, uh, and we probably didn't say this before, but what we sing, it actually, it forms and shapes our faith. And it's one of the most powerful tools for memorization is singing. So if you want to memorize scripture, sing the scriptures, but maybe the idea of you didn't want heaven without us. I wonder, is it because it feels sort of romantic or I think, what I think, do you get hung up on? I think I get hung up on the self-centeredness of it. So, or yeah, the man centeredness of it. Mm -hmm. It's not, not true, but it's, I don't, I think it's just the way the lines written feels something uncomfortable Mm -hmm. about drawing. It's drawing. It's everything about the song draws attention to Jesus. Except for that. Except for that. And I don't think it's a deal breaker Mm -hmm. to, to do this song because of that line. Yeah. But it does, it does make me pause and I don't think I'm the only person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it just, it, what that means is when, you know, when you're assessing for your church, when you're assessing, do we do a song or do we not? I think you do need to take into account things like that. Like, is this going to be a stumbling block for the majority of my congregation? And if it is, if it's going to take them out of this song, then maybe we shouldn't do it part of your role is to assess that right and do your absolute best yeah right yeah so Agreed. you've already answered the question in your in your uh explanation y'all do this song right yeah we've probably sung it four or five times a couple weeks ago for a, a special music piece for an offertory we actually did a um a version of this song written or arranged i guess by travis cottrell that's a mashup between this song and Agnes Day, the the Michael W. Smith Agnes Day from the 90s. Mm-hmm. This is something that I grew up on. Yes. And a guy, well, members of my team brought it to me and said, can we do this? I'd really love to do it. And he was actually going to be, it was going to be his last Sunday. So I said, why, why not? Let's just do it. Why not? You love it. Yeah. I think it could be fun. Uh, we did it in our church who doesn't clap, erupted in applause after this song. Wow. And a couple of people even stood up, which is so uncharacteristic for us. But it just obviously, and it wasn't just, it wasn't because we were so spectacular. It just, it moved people and it spoke to people in a way that only it could. And so I can't yeah. deny that. And yeah. I, I was really encouraged by that response from our people because again, that participation, they say, Yes. You know, we want this. We want to be a part of this. And that's really encouraging to us as a team. So that's my most recent experience with it. Cool. What about you? So, um, yeah, I, we have not done this as a congregational song, not necessarily because I'm like against it, but we've just put other, I've put other songs ahead of it on the kind of timetable of things to learn, but we have done it. So we don't do a lot of, non-congregational music in our church we do we'll have a prelude that the band will play and then there is a time we take communion every week this song i did use as a communion song 
um, one week and I, the church during communion, the church tends to not interact with the singing. Like you'll hear if it's a known song, you'll hear maybe a couple people singing quietly, uh, seated while people are taking communion. Uh, but in that moment, uh, like halfway through the song, I'm hearing like the majority of the congregation is singing the song. Yeah. So like as things were wrapping up with communion, I'm still playing the song. I just asked them to stand with me and we finished the song Finish as a congregational song. And that was very m- moving. It was very, it's, it, it was a very impactful moment for me anyway. So yeah, uh, that, that's, that's been the most recent experience with that song for us. And yeah, I would be, I would be for, doing this song more because of all the reasons we just talked about. I think that we're ready to wrap up. Yeah, let's do it. Well, that's this week's episode. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by our discussion. If you want to reach out to us with any questions or comments about our discussion, comment below or you can send us an email at plainglasspod at gmail.com. We do really appreciate the time that you've taken to go on this journey with us. 